You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. So, um, we're very, very honored to have Benedicta Maraseth with us here tonight, celebrating this delicious and gorgeous new book, To Be Nothing, Conversations with Newt Hamre, and uh, it's the Hardangel Fiddle that we are also celebrating tonight. Uh, This book is published by David Rothenberg's Terra Nova Press, which is distributed by MIT Press. David's doing some amazing work. Um, He's thinking a lot about environment. He's thinking a lot about how, like, culture interacts with environment. Um, But also, really, um, he's asking much deeper questions. And, And this book, actually, in its own way, has kind of... Uh, it's it's has a lot in common with kind of books in the past that have dealt with like you know kind of multidisciplinary issues. So uh, it's this beautiful dialogue, really gorgeous dialogue between a student and a teacher, and it's just as much about learning and teaching as it is about music, and also really about the healing power of art. Uh, Ms. Marseth is of course a Norwegian folk musician, composer, and writer. Uh, she began her study of the Hardanger fiddle with the master musician Newt Hamre at the age of eight. Uh, she has toured Norway, Norway as well as um, internationally and has made several recordings on the uh, venerable Grappa and ECM labels. In uh, 2017, she was awarded the uh, NOPA Music Prize for Outstanding Contributions to the Norwegian Music Scene. A really great honor to have you with us here at City Lights. Welcome.
I want to start reading for you how I started to play the fiddle. And the title is The Little Cross. And it's back in 1990, some years ago. Late spring in Merset, Aidview Parish. Eight-year-old me strolls into the kitchen of the family hotel. I watch from the window as the school bus turns around and trundles back down to the fjord. People in white catering uniforms dart around the kitchen as several hundred grams of well-done ground great reindeer meat are poured into enormous bowls. Everything in the hotel kitchen is big, from the pots, the pans, and the spatulas to the great vats of lingonberry. In my hand is a white piece of paper for my music school. If I, if I want to play an instrument, I'm allowed to choose one to learn this coming August. My mom takes a break from reindeer frying to take a closer look at the forum. It says guitar, piano, different kinds of brass instruments, hadanga fiddle, organ, and more. So many to choose from. Maybe you should try the hadanga fiddle, my mom suggests. After all, it comes from right here, from hadanga. I'm not sure I even know what a hadanga fiddle is but I make a clean check mark next to Hadanya Fiddle and stuff the note back into my school bag. Then I rush out on my bike because the thaw has finally wiped the snow from our high mountain roads. The following autumn, I begin my musical education with my new mentor, Knut Hamre, a mentorship that will last for nearly 30 years and still goes on today. So this is how I started. Thank you, my, thank, thanks to my mother. Um, it was a coincidence how I started, but I was extremely lucky that uh, when I made this cross next to the Hadanger fiddle, I grew up in the Hadanger fjord, where many of the best Hadanger fiddlers live and where the tradition has been such a strong part of the region, at least back to the 1600s. Uh, there are hundreds of tunes, so many instruments, so many different players that have been passing on the tradition for generations. And I was lucky to just walk into to the door and met, I would meet my ma mentor, Knut Hamra, and uh, I didn't even know who he was or how good he was, so everything was just <laughs> lucky as a, as a young girl. He was and is one of the best teachers uh, in the region. And from him I learned the craft of playing the Hadanger fiddle. And uh, in this book um, is conversations with him about different topics. I wanted to collect some of them because um, Knut is quite shy. Uh, it's best to be with him in a small room, just a few people, then you get the best out of Knut. And I was thinking at lessons with him that it's sad if there's only the students who really get to know many of his uh, thoughts around music, about, around performing. And, and uh, I discovered uh, over the years that 
one thing was to learn the music. I taught everything was taught by ear. Uh, I would copy what he was doing with his hand and listening to the music. But in addition to this, we of course would talk about the history around the music, to talk about the fiddle players who used to pass on this music, how the music was used, and, and so on. And um, as I grew older, I thought that maybe I started to think about these conversations as perhaps the most important part of this master-student relationship. And I wanted to gather some of them. And the topics are about many things like teaching, technical stuff also, but mostly it's more discussions about what is craft versus art, or what makes a good master. Uh, how, do you, how do you create a good tone? How do you do that with a fiddle? How do you make the music soar? How do you, can you play music and use it as healing? And so on and so on. Also, the, we would talk a lot about his philosophy, as he called to be nothing. That's why the book is titled To Be Nothing. And it's the most positive uh, sentence, to be nothing for him. It's, uh, it means uh, to be in um, service to the tradition service to the art and to the student. So I will share some more with you. And in the book we also talk a lot about his own masters. He had three very important masters. The first one was Anders Kjærland, who came from Hadanga, Granvin, where he grew up. He would just take his bike to him and learn lessons at least once a week or every time he wanted to. He would knock on the door and Anders was there for him. If Anders wasn't at home, he would just drive to the other neighbor, or no, not drive, bike to the other neighbors and there was always someone with a fiddle around in that area. It's a, it's a crazy place. I've been visiting every house in that village. It's enormous. And with Anders he learned the craft of playing the Hadanga fiddle and uh, when he was around 18, 19 years old he searched for something else, something more. Because Anders Kjallan was a great fiddler but he was very traditional he didn't, he was satisfied with how he was playing and didn't search for new things in the same way that Knut wanted. And also he didn't, and he was, if you listen to recordings of him, he would sound the same when he was 20 or when he was 60. So he was a craftsman. But then Knut met another fiddle player called Bjarne Harrefoss. And he studied with him also, all of his teachers, for almost 30 years, until they die. He go visit them. And I would want to share a little with you Björn Harrefoss, who came from a different region, but was a, a contrast. I can show you a photo of him. He holds his fiddle here when he's younger. Nobody holds the fiddle like this. <laughs> I think it says a lot about him. He didn't care about learning the tune note by note. He didn't, he didn't, if he wanted to change the title, he would change the title of the tune. If, <laughs> if he felt like improvising instead of playing the tune, he would do that. He would go on for 20 minutes or just two minutes. Or He was very, very free. So for Knut to meet him after learning the craft for such a long time was a great thing. And how they meet is quite special too. That's back in 1968. <coughs> All of a sudden, Bjarne Harrefoss is standing in the doorway of the old cafe in Sandven. 
Knut is 16 and has taken the trip from Granvin to Boer alone to witness the local cup lake. That's the competition in traditional music. Knut doesn't know anyone and he sits all by himself on a bench up against the cafe wall. It's bustling. The room is roaring with laughter, music and conversation. Steam rises from bowls of hot stew and people of sweaty boonuts are clinking their glasses together. The sound of fiddles is everywhere as instruments are passed over tables from one player to another and some listen and others chat. Bjarna says nothing as his big tall frame towers in the cafe entrance, clad in a black suit. He gazes around and spots a scared and shy Knut sitting alone at the far end of the room. Knut recognizes Bjarne Harefoss from his pictures, <coughs> but knows his playing style even better from the Folkmusik Kaltimen, folk music half hour radio program. But he has never met him. Knut has a burning desire to hear Bjarne play and feels almost paralyzed by his yearning for the music. Their eyes meet, and without hesitation, Bjarne crosses the floor between them and sticks out his hand and says, Bjarne Hallefoss. He then sits down next to Knut on the bench, takes his hand, and holds it for a long time. He says nothing. And there they sit, hand in hand, until Bjarne bolts to his feet grabs his half-open fiddle case and leaves with his fiddle seal covering dangling along the floor. Bjarne Hallefoss grew up in Seljovshei and was an incredibly gifted fiddler. Like Anders Kjallon, the first master, he learned the music of his own rich folk music community. He could never recall where he had heard or learned a tune and never learned anything note for note. He didn't have the patience, patience for it and always said, I don't play fiddle tunes, I play music. <laughs> Whenever Bjarne and Knut met, their encounters might happily have gone on for several days. They spent their time playing for one another, listening to recordings, reading poetry, debating issues, or just sitting in silence together. But when they did converse, it was usually around questions about the music itself. For example, what happens to the music when your mood changes? If something was missing in Knut's expression, Bjarne might tell him, there aren't enough clouds in your music. Or if he liked it, now roses are growing out of your fingers. When he thought Knut was playing especially well, he might suddenly burst out, I just died. Bjarne always spoke with his mind, his mind without hesitation. When it comes to art, his criticism often came across as harsh, but he was never stubborn and he changed his opinions constantly. I asked Knut, he does sound mercifully different. Yes, and thank Godness for it. He was quite an oddball, and 
was always enveloped in this totally unique vibe. I was often bewitched by the strange things he came out with, such as, do you want to join me the day that doesn't exist? What linked the two of you together? The unspoken. And through the unspoken, I learned so much more from Bjarne than anyone else I have met. To be honest, I never learned a single fiddle tune from him, yet he was always, always my foremost master. I play more music for you. How many fiddle players are here? Wonderful. <laughs> 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 oh, both? You should ask the second one. How long have you done? How long have you done? Okay. How many play? How long have you done here? <laughs> also wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> the first tune I played, uh, I did open with the improvisation, and then I played Rul uh, Slot. Used to uh, used to be played for dancing or while the um, the bride was getting ready for the marriage, for the ceremony, the fiddle player would play these tunes for her. Now I want to continue with the old fiddle, fiddle um, we call it Hulreslotter, um, it's from Granvin, it's some of the oldest music we know from Hadanger, early 1700. I don't think they use this music for dancing, uh, I assume more for spiritual uh, pleasure.
I won't read from the third master, but I want to show you just this picture. He was not a fiddle player. It was Olavo Hauge, one of the most famous poets from Norway. And I can show you how his poetry here was Robert Bly. Did many nice translations of his poems, I'm sure, is here. Um, he didn't learn music from him, but uh, they would meet at least once a week to, to talk, just talk about important things. <laughs> Incredible man. I want to tell you, share a little bit about how Knut would, how he is as a teacher. He has had many students, many, many students for close to 40 years. And um, many of his students are all some of the best players in Norway today. So he, he must have done something right. And also, all of his students are very different. Each player is so different. I think that is interesting too. And here I try to, to summon up a bit how he is as a teacher. Imitation and freedom. And here's a poem by Olaf Hauge, I will try to read. Please, come. <laughs> read Luci and make a poem. He doesn't say how it should be. Many had painted an oak before. Munch still painted an oak. 2000. I'm a student of music at Voss Upper School and I'm on a bus from Vostogonami to have a session with Knut. In our previous session, I was taught Bygda Torn, an unusual and wistful tune notably played by Nils Mörkve, who came from Voss where I'm studying. I was utterly spellbound by this fiddle tune when I first heard it and I've lived and breathed with it with this dark green nose for a week now. I cannot wait to play it for Knut. As we sit there in one of Gunmin's preschool classrooms, I tune my fiddle as precisely as I can manage. After all, nothing less will do for this strange fiddle tuning used for Bigdat One. Knut finds tuning boring and asks me instead, so have you read any nice poems lately? No, not really. I recommend you take a look at Olaf Hauge's Luci poem. Maybe you could think a little about, little about why Edvard Munch still painted his oak, despite all the oak paintings that came before him. And then we can talk about it next week. I nod and I start to play. All of a sudden, in the middle of the piece, Knut grabs my bowing hand and cuts me off, making me jump, and then he says, that was a beautiful ending to that section of the tune. Could you teach it to me? What do you mean? Wasn't I playing it just how you taught me? No, not quite, but that, 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 it doesn't matter. I think it was a fine variation. I'd like to learn it. That is, if you don't mind. Um, well, sure, I answer, my master. But remember to give your bowing room, room to breathe and expand, just like Edward Munch's pencil strokes. Yes, that's it. Picture Munch's Madonna in your head, then play through Big Datron one more time. But I can't remember what was different about my playing. 
that's great. Then you come up with something else. I asked Knut, what makes a good master? When he appreciates his student is doing well, a master needs to have unconditional love and generosity in his heart and be able to view each individual pupil for who they truly are and support them in that. If not, the master will end up holding the students back. Fear ruins most teaching relationships. A good teacher should also be able to spark an unstoppable force in the student, a kind of burning motivation that helps them to carry on doing what they want to do and be ready to learn everything there is to learn. Finally, the term master implies that you need to have mastered something. In order to teach someone, you ob obviously need to know your art. But not all master-student's relationship work equally well, I ask. No, for sure, but I'm still <clears throat> certain that when they do work, they are definitely the best form of teaching. They provide a unique space for students to express their individuality and independence, and that is exactly what our art needs. Maybe there aren't many master-student relationships that last lifetimes. If they are, to survive, the ego of both student and master need to be kept in balance. Otherwise, they fall apart. These relationships revolve around trust, respect, and equality between master and student, a mutual, a mutual chemistry and understanding, which isn't the same as agreeing about everything.
share one last part if you're not burning up <laughs> in here. One of the things we talk about here is music as healing. And uh, Knut started to be become more and more aware of it after this to be nothing philosophy started to be such a rich part of his life and he was very much inspired by musicians from here from America after collaborating with Steve Tibbetts and Mark Anderson uh, they're both Buddhists and uh, they're how they use music as not always as healing but want to do they want music to be something more than just pure entertaining that was very inspiring for him and made him think differently about music and his and why record and why perform and so on. It also helped him a lot through uh, problems with stage fright. After he became more and more famous and had more and more success as a fiddle player, he had more and more anxiety. And I don't know how you, how you feel about playing, but I know also myself very well, if, if you have fear of playing, you also have fear of the fear itself. And it can really, steal a lot of your energy and your focus. And to think that he was a nothing helped him out with. And that his music could be something more than just pure entertaining. He, he became more aware of after he uh, became older and he has experiences like this one. 2002. It's late evening and Knut is alone in his sitting room, playing his fiddle. This is his favorite time to play, when everyone and everything is sound asleep. The sky is clear, the mountain is black, and the fjord is still with its quiet blue hum. Knut is busy, losing himself in a melody, when he is abruptly cut off by the ringing of the telephone in the hallway. Knut stops playing at once, worried that something must be wrong to warrant such a late call. He picks up the receiver. Hello? Silence on the other line. Hello, this is Knut. Is anyone there? After a long wait, he hears a voice. I need to hear a tune. I feel under the weather. Could I trouble you to play something for me just a little over the phone? Knut has no idea who is calling, but he walks out to the living room, fetches his fiddle, and returns to where the telephone sits waiting. He plays a few comforting melodies to soothe the caller, and once he has finished, Knut picks up the phone. Thank you so much, whispers the caller, and then hangs up. I ask Knut. I've heard several people talk about your CD, Fargespel, for this very reason. For example, one of your other students, Laila Stoli, told me that her father, Harald Stoli, used Fargespel as medicine after suffering a stroke. Whenever times got tough, he would turn on your recording like a clockwork. His daughter tells me that your music opens up his heart when he needs it the most, so both sorrow and joy can emerge. Why do you think that is so? 
well, how do I put it into words? I can only say I'm grateful for the music I impart to my listeners, being able to serve a higher purpose. In any case, it's a good sign of how music can move people beyond the realm of the rational and the functional. And I'd like to end uh, a part here that is a letter from a cello player called Steve Wahlberg. And this is his own words about the same recording. I probably wasn't aware of this healing effect. At least not the first time I listened to the cassette. Earlier recording, sorry, cassette. <laughs> During a particular difficult period in my life when chaos and angst became more central, music which had pre previously been my dearest possession, started being pushed aside. All my apathy and existential angst, whether I admitted it or not, allowed me next to no musical input. Yet during my worst emotional turbulence, there remained two musical beams of light to both ground me and provi provide me with something more, a spiritual connection to something beautiful, pure, and divine. I only brought two records into the mental ward. One of them was Bach sonatas for solo violin with Saint-Lové, and the other was Sleekspeller Knut with Knut Hamre. I think of both of them, I think both of them had a spiritual and physical energy, as well as a clear structure and rhythm in those days I dearly needed. dearly needed to survive. I know this might sound a bit over the top, but looking back I know it's the truth. I'm grateful that art is so vibrant and can offer so much to people in need. Pablo Neruda once said something about art is there for those who need it. And I'm grateful that Knut's music accompanied me into, into and out of my darkest days. Thank you. What do you think about these total strangers contacting you and offloading their personal problems, I ask? Once you've been a fiddle, once you've been playing the fiddle for a while, you slowly realize that when you play music, you're doing so for the benefit of others. You become a kind of musical therapist, but I'm still very aware that I can't perform any other role than the one I have. I can't pretend to be a psychologist or some kind of spiritual advisor. I am only a fiddle player. I will finish with the tune. <coughs>
Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.